so, all right. So uh, today we're going to talk about the fact that you can be healed at any time. Amen. And we know that by covenant you are already healed. But when we talk about healing, we're talking about symptoms leaving and getting a clean bill of health, both in the spirit realm and in the natural. We said yesterday that spirit uh, healing is a spiritual occurrence. Uh, it works from the inside out. So that's why uh, you remember when the lepers came to Jesus and asked him to heal them. They He told them, okay, go show yourself to the priest. Amen. He said, go show. Go show yourself to the priest and give to them the offering that is commanded by Moses. That was the law. He was still operating under the grace of the old covenant, but there were certain uh, laws that the people were governed by as far as God's uh, covenant with them is concerned. And one of those was that you had to have your healing validated by uh, the priest. Uh, right now, some people have the doctor as their priest. Because sometimes you have to have a validation by the doctor, certain tests that they've done that have come back positive. You want to get a negative result on them, et cetera, et cetera. So what God is talking about is getting that validation or that good report, eradication of symptoms. Some people can can de- declare their healing and still have symptoms and not waver in their faith and, and go on like that for many years. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So, I mean, the fact that your symptoms persist does not have anything to do with the legal aspect that you are healed. Amen. It, it, what happens in the natural never overrides or negates what happens in the spirit. And so, in fact, the reverse happens. The spirit will override and negate what happens in the natural. Amen? And so many times, you know, sometimes people find things like that out in in real life. Uh, Say, for instance, I've seen this happen where, you know, people will have an illness. uh, Somebody is ill in the family. And say, for instance, if they're adults and and say, for instance, a, a sibling got sick, terminally sick, the husband divorced them years ago, the kids are spread out over everywhere. Well, then the sibling, the one that grew up with them in the house together, sometimes will show up to take care. That's my sister, you know, or that's my brother, and I'm going to see to it that they're taken care of. And so because that relationship came first, oftentimes that relationship will call you back into that person's life when all the other relationships fall apart. That is something that's very common that happens. It should not happen that way, but but you can see that what came first has a, a root tied in to your life. So we were created healed and whole. So your healing has a root in your your body no matter what happens uh, after you come, you know, you start start living your life. Uh, a, a bad life, living a bad life, smoking, drinking, whatever you do, putting drugs in your body. That cannot override the healing seed that God put in us initially when we were created. Because that root of healing is still in you. Other than that, every time you got a cold, you die. Every time you got a cut, you bleed to death. 
So we have evidence because the body can self-repair. That must mean a healing seed is somewhere in us. So really God is feeding the initial seed that he put in all the creation when he created us. When we get the word and we start meditating on the word, it's rooting somewhere. It's connecting to something that's already deeply rooted in us. And that's our covenant with God. We have a covenant of health with God. It's never canceled. It's never negated. Why? Because he staked his life on it. He didn't stake our behavior on it. I'm going to say it again. He staked his life on the covenant. He did not stake our behavior. See, your behavior is subject to change. (laughs) It could be wonderful today and all loving and dancing before the Lord with all your might. I thought I saw Miss Pat over there back up and do the James Brown. I said, now she really didn't got into it. Amen. <laughs> he got them little moves out of church. He ain't fooling nobody. They, they all stole stuff out of the church when they left running. Whenever the spirit would hit, hit them, they fall right back into them little church moves. I said, that look just like that thing in Pentecost. You know, the one that's too fast for anybody to do now. So if somebody can get it, you stand back and let them have a flow. See, you know, I, we all know where he's coming from with that. Stolen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> where was I at? I was talking about health and healing. But we, we have that healing seed. Amen. Within us. It's never negated. See, your behavior can change. You can fall into sin and fall woefully into to sin for many years, even decades. But there's something inside of us that calls us back to God. There's a need for God. There's a covenant with God that is calling us back. Prayer helps us to hear the call. So if somebody's praying for you or you're praying for somebody, they're going to hear that. At some point, they're going to hear God loud and clear saying, come back home. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter if they've ever darkened the door of a church. It doesn't matter if they've they've ever been saved and not saved or whatever people go through claiming, you know, (laughs) claiming their life. But God knows who are his. That's what the word says. And so he He knows how to call us back unto him. He's calling us back to creation, calling us back to the way we were created in the garden. That's what he's calling us back to. And so once God calls you back unto himself, amen, it's like this 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 feeling, I haven't felt this before that I know of, but it's somehow vaguely familiar to me. You ever feel that? I mean, when you first get born again, you start thinking to yourself, this feels right. This feels like home. Amen? Like Dorothy. Auntie M. Everybody call for Auntie M. Huh? Heavenly Father. 
I'm looking for you. And see, we don't know that that's what we're looking for. But once you get into that place of the grace of God that welcomes you back, no strings attached, no stipulations, no behavior requirements, none of that stuff. It's like you finally feel peace because you're at home. It's like when you go home and you shut the door and everything that you left at your job and at the supermarket and all them places where you struggle with people, somebody told you off, somebody whatever, you shut that door to that and now you enter a sanctuary of peace. Amen. And your home should always be that way for you. It should always provide a sanctuary from the cares of this life. And so when we come into a knowledge of God, that seed that we had put in us back in the garden gets fed again. Amen. See, the devil was hoping we'd never find our way back. But Jesus made a foolproof way back to him. Amen. No devil in hell can stop you from getting back into the presence of God. No, nothing can, can separate you from his love. Nothing can keep you from coming back home because you're home in, in God. So it's a wonderful thing. He created us to have a fellowship with him, to live our lives under his authority so that we can be blessed. You know, he never meant for us to strike out on our own and let the devil find us and screw everything up. He meant for us to stay with him. So after you're, we're saved, we endeavor to stay with God. You know, we, we kind of, you kind of get hip to the ways that the devil has of trying to separate you from God. Amen. He'll put people in your past, sometimes people from your past that you really, really liked and you would do anything to be around them. And you'll think, you know, if you run into that person, you just be scared. Oh, Lord, what they going to say to me? But you know what? Sometimes he'll keep those people out of your life permanently. It's like, aren't you glad you never run into some of them people you used to? Amen. Some of your cut buds and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a good thing. Or if you do run into them, it'll be God's timing in your life so that you can have a, a kingdom influence on them. You know, so he does every he makes everything right. I mean, it just it just fits the way God does it. And so God has a healing seed. He's got a covenant seed inside of, of his creation. He also has a healing seed. I don't care who it is when things get really, really too tough for people. It, it's a rare person who will not pray who will not seek spiritual help, who will not look outside of themselves and outside of all human beings and look for God. And so this is a very, very common thing. So that connection that we have to God, because we're made in his image, amen? Everybody goes through life looking for the original to their image. Amen. So once you find the original, you get in that mirror of his word and you start to understand who you are, uh, what to do, how to, uh, you know, you make yourself up according to what God has called you to be. Amen. Uh, usually when we get in the mirror, we, we do something to add to our attractiveness, don't we? Now, if you don't, you just, just go home. If you, but everybody who gets in the mirror, you either get in there like Fonzie, he would take the comb and go, you know, like perfection. I don't need to touch up myself. I'm, 
You know, you either like that because you've been touching yourself up all day long. Because he lived with that comb, didn't he? Kept that comb in his back pocket. They would have that pomade on their hair that, you know, slick. They called them greasers. They put that greasy stuff on their hair to slick it down and keep it looking nice and cared about themselves. So anytime you look into the mirror, uh, your natural mirror, you're looking to make improvements. But when you look in the word and look into God's face, you're looking to make improvements in yourself. Amen. So anytime you go in the word, it's to have an improvement in your condition. Amen. And stay out the mirrors. Nah, I'm messing, I'm messing with you. <laughs> I've learned how to, from traveling and going back and forth from Cleveland, Detroit, I've learned how to cut my makeup town time down drastically. Amen. When I was younger, it was separate every eyelash, you know, with mascara. And then you get home, you got to wash it all off. You spent two hours putting your face on and then an hour at night taking it off again. And I thought to myself, I said, man, I'm down to a flat eight minutes right now. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) I would die before I wore glasses. I had contact lenses for years, you know. And, oh, Lord, if I lost one, you had to stop the way the hard lenses back in the day. If you found you you looked and one of them, you got blurred all of a sudden and one of them was missing, you said, wait a minute. (laughs) Even on the dance floor. Hold it. Stop the music. Got to get my eyeballs in. Amen. (laughs) It's all about appearance. It's all about improvement. Amen. So, you know, you just have to do what you got to do to make improvements on yourself. (laughs) Make improvements on yourself. And so it's just that way. And so when it comes to the things of God, we have to do the same thing with God's word. You go in there to improve yourself. Don't go in there because it's mandatory. You got to put in a certain number of hours or a certain number of minutes or something like that. You go in there for self-improvement. Amen. Let God fix you up. You know, sometimes he'll say, well, you know what? Let's read right here because you need touching up in this area. Amen. He never tells you to close the book. You can't. It's no help for you. Huh? He said, keep that book open because I got some. This going to really lay you out right here. You're going to love this right here. Let me show you this right here. And so I believe God is that way about his word. He's excited to show us the things that are possibilities for us. He's excited to show us how he can improve our health, improve our thinking, improve our our understanding of life and, and of the world. I love it when God gives me little tidbits of information you know the fragments that the disciples carry the fragments of food that were left over we get fed those all the time don't you know amen and so he'll show you these little i said oh i never saw that i said jesus now you stop that now you know you messing with the girl today that didn't mess my head up for a whole week show me more Amen. Show me more. So we're always hungry for more. Amen. Always hungry for more. So that's the way we should approach the word. We should never say, oh boy, I got to read my word today. 
You understand what I'm saying? Because we can get that way. In your carnal mind, you can be dragging yourself around and thinking that, oh boy, you know, or will I ever get my healing? Will I ever get my breakthrough? Will I ever get whatever it is you're believing God for? Amen? Uh, You know, will I ever get married? Will I ever get whatever it is? Amen? It's always something that we, we just... Oh boy, I gotta wait until God and I gotta build my faith. You know, we start building up a list of all the stuff we gotta get this, 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 and this, and then I'll get my. But the Bible says you can be healed at any time. You don't know when the time is. And that's the exciting thing about that. See, that should fill us with excitement. I know it doesn't on a regular. Because, you know, your mind starts to get bogged down in all of the steps, formulas, and traditions, and all that other nonsense that we think about when we think about receiving from God. But you need to remind yourself, now, wait a minute, God, I can't be putting you on a schedule because your word says this could happen to me at any time. I could jump out up out this seat right now and be healed. You understand what I'm saying? And so we we just have to look at... Uh, the word of God as being our connection to everything that's good, everything that makes the right adjustments in us. Every time you go into the word, you're taking medicine. Every time you go into the word, God is making adjustments on the inside that will show on the outside at some point. There are, there are times when, when God holds us into the secrets of his kingdom. By that I mean, he's not going to tell you everything you have a curiosity to know all the time. He's just not going to do it. The Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed are for us, our children, our children's children. So if you want to start knowing secret things, start start sharing the revealed things with your offspring. Start have a little Bible study with your kids. Get them, get them, get them Bibles they can read and, and ask them to read you a scripture and say, now tell me what you think that means. Amen. They're never too old to tell you what they feel God is speaking to them about a scripture and let them know there's no right and wrong answer. I just want to know what God's telling you. Sometimes he's telling you things I need to know. So we have a little family Bible study up in here and allow God to, to Start now. Then, then you you're standing in line for things to know that are a little more complex, a little more toward toward opening up your heart to understand God more. All of those things, those are nice. And so, uh, the secret things, though, uh, belong to Him. But I can tell you, you can be healed at any time. And really, God wants us well when we're saved. I mean, that's really His heart, and we got to know that. It's like, well, well, you know, I keep struggling with my health and I get a little bit better, but this steel is hanging on and I wish I could get rid of that and all that. Well, God's desire is that you get whole 100% day one. Amen. And so, but, but if that tarries and if, if there has to be some, some work going on, it's generally because our medicine, we have to take medicine enough to drive out the symptoms amen i remember healing hearing a testimony brother norval hayes and and this is an exception and this is a revelation of secret things sometimes but uh, brother hayes norval hayes uh, shared a testimony about a little girl that had cerebral palsy 
and she was confined to a wheelchair. And she and her mother would always say, Jesus is going to come and heal me. He, the little girl told, she told everybody that. Everybody that came in and she couldn't get out much. I, I don't think, if they went to church, they went a little bit here and there. And the mother decided one day, well, if Jesus is going to heal you, I'm going to buy you a dress. I'm going to buy you some shoes so that you can dress up and go to church because you're going to give your testimony when Jesus heals you. Now, God is not allowing you to be sick so you can have a testimony one day. Not everybody. Not everybody. So don't start going to God as wanting to give a testimony as your motivation for wanting to be healed. You should want to be healed, period. Amen. But this one case seemed to be an exception to that. And I'll tell you what happened. The little girl was about, she'd been, her mother had been saying this for years. When she got to be about 12 or 13, she's almost a teenager. They said one day they were sitting in, in the room where she kept her little dress hanging. It was hanging on the closet door. I think it was in her bedroom or something. And they were sitting in there and the mother said all of a sudden this cloud, a very small cloud showed up in the room. And the cloud moved in front of the little girl and it began to grow as it moved. And Jesus stepped out and both she and the mother saw him. And he said, I have come to heal you. And he told the mother, he says, I waited until she was this age so that she could go and testify for me. I see that's an except that's a secret thing. So sometimes there are reasons, kingdom reasons, why healing doesn't manifest 100% immediately. You got me? But God is not telling you that up front right now. Now listen to me real good. He will not tell you that while you're believing for your health and your healing. He will tell you after you receive it. Because if it looks like you're not a good candidate for holding out in your present condition until he can get the most benefit out of it kingdom wise, he will go ahead and release that thing to you. You understand what I'm saying? So you won't move, you won't have to wait beyond where you have the grace to wait. That little girl had grace to wait because she was excited about that dress. She was, she had a good life with her mother. It was, apparently was just her and the mom at that time. But after she received her healing, she went to the church and everybody saw her. Norval Hayes said people just came in the church and wept. They gave their hearts to the Lord. He said there was a line, uh, two blocks long of cars waiting to get into the church just to hear her testimony. You got me? And so, God will trust certain people in certain conditions with a certain level of grace to endure until the manifestation comes. But I don't want to hear anybody running around here saying, I'm not healed yet because I got a big testimony coming. That is not God's mind. That is not his mind. You have a covenant of health and healing that says you can be healed at any time. And I have heard people say that and wind up having to have surgery after surgery after surgery after surgery because they feel they have been singled out. See, when you're singled out, you don't know ahead of time. You know after 
you've walked with God and got a certain level of obedience so that knowing that doesn't cause you to stumble. Think of the pride people would get into if they think that, you know, God, because we always tell people that he's not making you sick. But if you look at the story about the young man in the Bible where the Pharisee said, who sinned, who were his parents, him or his parents that he was born by? He said, this sickness is for the glory of God. Now, anybody idiot reading that would say, hmm, God made him blind so that he could get glory out of his life. Huh? But that's not the proper interpretation if you look at the covenant we have with God. The covenant you have with God says if you obey him, he will not put disease on you. Huh? When people went to Jesus and got assured that they would be healed, they came in faith. So what Jesus was really saying is, he asked me in faith to heal me. And right now, sin is not an issue who did what and who didn't do something. What's at issue now is he's already asked me in faith. And and that's now I can get glory out of his life because I'm getting ready to heal him right in front of your very eyes. You got me? So it's not like we have bad things happen so that God can get glory. Stuff happens. It's going to happen to us anyway. It's going to happen to you, going to happen to me, going to happen to everybody. Why? Because the Bible says in this world you will have tribulation, but to be of good cheer because he's going to get glory out of your life because he's going to heal you. How does he get glory? He gets glory when we're healed. He doesn't get glory out of us being sick. So when he said that about that young man, I bet his heart quickened and got excited because he said, oh, my healing is coming now. Amen. Because once God decides what's happening to you is for his glory, that means it's a done deal. It's just a matter of time now before it, it manifests fully in your life. Because if you give it to him, he'll find a way to get glory out of it. Amen. So every time you pray for healing, every time you pray for the sick, God is going to get glorified out of that because he's going to heal them. Amen. He's going to give you what you ask for. And that's how he gets glory. Amen. He doesn't get glory because of what some of the devil does. The devil's in charge of sickness. He's in charge of, of disease. He's in charge of all of those things. Amen. But God gets glory because he removes it. He takes it away. He shows the devil. Now listen, I told you 1,500 times you can't mess with my peeps. Amen. And I'm taking this off of them just to prove to you, you can't mess with them. You can What you got ain't strong enough to hold them. Amen. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Wee. So the process of being healed at any time. Amen. Let me see. Where do I want to? Oh, Mark chapter 4. Let's turn there. Chapter 4. We'll start in verse 12. Verse 10. This is one of those disciple teachings. Almost secret things. These are things that are hidden from carnal ears. Uh, Jesus taught in parables because there were certain people that were just coming around him to hear something to see if they could trip him up 
trap him in his own words and and have something con- something to contradict him about. So he would teach in parables, and a parable is something. It's a dark saying that has to be revealed. Now, how do we get revelation from God? Hmm? You don't get it just listening. You get it through meditation. You got me? You got to take that home with you and chew on it. And and then as you chew, you start to get the flavor out of it. Amen? It's like the difference between you and your German shepherd. Uh, dogs enjoy things by smelling them. You can't give, I don't care how many times you fed your dog, you can't get a dog nothing that they don't smell first. And sometimes they know it ain't no good before you do. So they have a very keen, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They have a very keen sense of smell so that they can protect themselves. Is this trash? Oh, okay. They have a very keen sense of smell so that they can protect themselves from poison. See, we have the word to cover us, but they have to have something natural. Their natural senses will help them. That's why you can give a dog something and they swallow it in one gulp. Because they've enjoyed it already and smelt it to death. Huh? Coco will give you something and, and, I mean, you give her something and she'll take it and bury it. If she, she go, and sometimes she'll just, leave it in your hands you know and I'm like oh boy here we go with the drama you know but I just throw throw it on the floor somewhere when she's ready she'll come back and get it you know dogs work you like that you know you I mean you love them but they they slick they know how to get they're survivors they say I don't even know if this queen is coming home tonight I'm gonna have to play her and see if she can get me lay lay me four or five of them around the house somewhere there and then I know I can survive a few days. Amen. Call herself a preacher. Ain't no telling where them preachers wind up. They get on a preaching streak. She may not come home for several days. So I think I'll make it if I can work her for several more of these. So if they, she refuses it, that means I know she likes it. They play you. So I just put it down anywhere and then pretty soon she'll come back and get it. And if she lingers, they like to take them and bury them so that they get them out of sight so they can come back and enjoy them because they smelt it already. And they know they're going to like this. If they start burying it, you know they like it. Amen? And so she'll bury something and want to come back and get it. And so when she when she eats it, sometimes dogs will lick their food. If you give them dry food, they might lick it and smell it again because saliva enhances the aroma to them. So they've enjoyed that food. That's why they can throw it down when you put it like uh, uh, you could put a piece of chicken in Coco's mouth and it's like, Boom. you know, it's like you throw it in it's, Boom. it is gone. And I said, oh, man. I remember uh, Aubrey, my late husband, would tell a girlfriend, he said, could, well, could you just humor me, please? Just chew it and make it look like you enjoy it. Well, you know, you have to figure out how they do things. But but they enjoy things differently than we do. Our mouths help us to enjoy food. So chewing it and, and having it linger in your mouth is part of the enjoyment you ever have some people eat so slow, it's like, man, I could go watch the grass grow faster than, huh? 
People enjoy it differently. Amen. You'll find people who are nervous or anxious eaters. They throw down real fast before you know it. They ate enough for three days and one. You know what I'm saying? Are certain things they really, really like, you know. So we're different in the way that we, it's called savoring something. How you savor something is different than somebody else. Well, we all savor the word the same way through meditation. Because you want to hang on to that word. Amen. And so you get out and you see, there's nothing wrong with it. Sometimes people will, will want to read something different in the word all the time. But you ever been in a mood where you come back to that same word over and over and over again? Well, you're savoring that. And then pretty soon you will own that and you'll believe that and only that. So that's the process that God has us go through when we get understanding and get revelation out of things. Some things just won't leave you. You keep your mind keeps coming back to it and you keep dwelling on it. And you keep or sometimes it won't even be a conscious dwelling on something. It'll be kind of eternal. And then all of a sudden an idea will pop up and you say, wow, I've never understood it. But you've been meditating on the inside and understanding the word. And so it's a good thing to to let yourself focus. Deal with the word. Let it deal with you. Accept the word. Ask God to help you to get it in you so that you don't kick it out. And see, the Pharisees knew nothing about this because they thought they knew everything already. It's a bad thing when you are under God's authority and you think you know it all already. Amen. Because they would not listen the way you're supposed to in order to receive. And this is how God's people receive the word all the time through this process. So Jesus gets the disciples alone when they were, uh, 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 verse 10, And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said to them, unto you, other words, you people who are inquiring, you people who are asking, you people who are learning, you people who are serious about it, you people who want to know more. You know, sometimes we get a a basic understanding of the word and get a little bit of, of handle on one aspect and we want to run off and think that's all. But but God will pin you down one day and say, Hey, wait a minute now, you you need some more to go with that. You can't you can't go but that's like uh filling up your gas tank half full. At some point it's gonna get in that red zone. You're going to run out of steam. So he wants us to continue to feed on the word. And that's what the disciples did. They would come around him after hours and ask him questions about what he had just preached or what, you know, some they didn't quite get when he was giving it to them. So he begins to give them understanding of why they don't get it all the first time. Nobody gets it the first time, folks. You got me? You just don't get it the first time. Whatever you get the first time is just enough for you to to feed on until that gap opens up again where you got another question. Then you got to go back and get more to close that gap so you can get some understanding. Then you got to come back and get some more to close it again. Now many people, religious people get in church and think as number of years that they've been going or been saved is 
something to pin their hat on. And that's what the Pharisees, that's how they lived. Verse 11, he said to them, unto you, it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to them that are without. So there's insiders and there's outsiders. There's in-laws and there's outlaws. Amen. And so you want to be an insider. You don't ever want to be an outsider where God's kingdom is concerned. Because you can put yourself on the outside with your carnality and with your know-it-all attitude, with your passivity toward obeying God, with your lack of humility and wanting to to know everything and, and think this is a matter of being proud, telling people and all this kind of stuff. You know, you need to park that little junk somewhere, you know, and get you a real, get you a real car. That's what I want. Right, Poppy? Pop that junk somewhere. Get you a real car. <laughs> That's probably what you tell your, I bet you tell your kids that, don't you? Because <laughs> if they got junk, they calling dad all the time. And mom, right. They park that somewhere and get you something real. And that's the way we got to be about the word. Park all them little religious phrases you've been knowing since you way back in the Baptist church and way back in the country church. And now, if that's all you got, that's one. But everybody got a Bible. And everybody got a phone they can dial. You can dial into somebody who's got some revelation if you can't get there yourself. And so you got to dial in. Got to be inside. Don't be an outsider where the things of God are concerned. You know, if anybody's watching and you're not in a church, you need to pray hard and get yourself in one. Because you got to be under authority. Power works through authority. It doesn't work outside. I don't care what you think about your pastor, ex-pastor, bishop, prelate, church people. I don't care what you think about anything. You got to square that up with God and keep Go and keep seeking for the place where you can connect and where you belong. Amen. Amen. It's a must do. The Bible talks about the end times. People are going to begin to to fall away in great numbers. Why? Because they lose heart. They put themselves on the outside. God didn't ordain you to be an outsider. He put you on the inside, just like the disciples. Amen. Amen problem with people everybody's trying to prophesy and not hearing from god because they've never been under the authority of a prophet amen i know many of them i see them on facebook i said this poor thing has never been regular in a local church they always criticize church people you ever see them prophecies about all the pastors gonna drop dead and all this stuff is gonna happen they're always forecasting doom and gloom why they have no love for the brethren a bunch of Pharisees, just like this bunch right here, the one Jesus is talking about. He said, they are without. He said, all these things are done in parables. So there are people that are ordained to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Then there are others who doom themselves to not know them, and they continue to be confused. You ever see some of them stories where it said they asked Jesus so-and-so and such-and-such and and he gave them this answer and they walked away confused? Uh You watch how he interacts with religious people. They stay confused. And he says, this is why this happens. He says, seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. 
Amen. So this is the process that everybody goes through for conversion. And uh, there's another uh, account of this. Let me see if I can find this other one here. Let me go to Matthew 13 and see if that one is it. I think that's the one I want. Oh, yeah. Matthew 13. Sorry, I had that one underlined. (laughs) These notes are old. I'm looking back. I said, I wrote all this stuff so long ago. All right, so the one I want, we'll use Matthew 13. And starting in verse, I think it's 15. This is a parable about the seed and the sower. Yeah. Yeah. 13.10, disciples came and asked him, why do you speak in parables? And he answered them and said, you know what they wanted? They want a quick grab and go meal. See, parables make you think. And when you can't get an answer, you go back, back and ask the master. You see what I'm saying? So it keeps the relationship going. It keeps you understanding that you ain't so smart. See, they want it all in one sitting so we can go off and do what we want to do with this word. Huh? I'm ordained it. I'm going to go do what I want. So he answered and said to them, because it's given to you to know the mysteries, it's given to you, insiders. Say, I'm an insider. I am not an outsider. So you stay up in Jesus' face, amen? Because it's given to you, insiders, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them... It is not given. Now, it could be if they'd humble themselves, every outsider can become an insider. you got to humble yourself and desire to, to follow the Lord. So them drop-in people that's trying to get a little bit and hear, hear a little, you know, people who are trying to get a blessing and go to church for two times and then drop out and go back to staying at home. Those are, they outside themselves, see. They keep coming, they be insiders. He says, for whosoever has to him shall be given. That don't sound right. We supposed to be giving to broke people. Yeah, we can, but they don't get, like uh, the Syrophoenician woman's, said, well, I'm just getting crumbs. See, he's talking about people who have a seat at the table. He's not talking about crumbs. Amen. That's the insiders. You you have a seat at the table if you're an insider. You're not living off crumbs. He says, for whosoever has to him will be given more, Who and he shall have more abundance. Whoever has not from him shall be taken away even that which he has. You got me? Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they see not, hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy Isaiah, which says, by hearing you shall hear and shall not understand and seeing you shall see and not perceive. For these people's heart is wax gross. That's what puts you on the outside is pride. Think you know it all. Their ears are dull of hearing. Oh, I know that scripture. Yeah, but let me tell you something. Huh? And their eyes, they have closed. They don't want to know nothing. Lest at any time, see, at any time, if they changed any of these items on the list, at any time, God would open up revelation to them. Got me? So it's possible. This doesn't say God chose some people and put them outside and some people put them inside. You decide if you're an outsider or insider. 
Say, I'm an insider. That's right. You're an heir. He says that they, he says, and their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes they have closed less than any time. They should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted. And I should what heal them. That's how healing comes at any time. Isn't that what he said? He said, you begin to see, open your ears so you can hear. Humble your heart, open your ears, open your eyes and begin to see yourself well. And then at any time, when you start to open your eyes and open your ears at any time, those symptoms can leave your body and you get a 100% totally whole. Anytime, this can happen at any time. That's why the Bible is bold enough to say that the word is medicine to all of our flesh. Because anytime you open your eyes to see and your ears to hear, you're taking in the medicine of the word. It goes in through your ears. And it begins to affect your eyes. You put your eyes down there on that page in the Bible and you get tired of reading the same thing over and over and over again. And then one day it clicks. Huh? It begins to open up to you. And you say, now wait a minute. I've been reading this over and over again. That's the problem. You've just been going over and over. You didn't park there and meditate there and see what, how you could be converted. And see, this is what most of us are waiting for if it takes a healing a while to manifest in you. You're waiting for your soul to be converted from believing it a little bit, unbelief a little bit, believe it a little bit, unbelief a little bit. You ever have God speak something to you, the real word becomes so real to you that you know you got it right now. Well, you do. Well, you got your portion. Amen. And then you go back and listen to some more. You know you got it this time. You do. You got your, that portion of revelation that is pulling that whole thing together, honey. God ain't lying to you. You got something. The thing of it is for you to hold on to it, not let go. And then you notice a time will go by and you get discouraged about it. You start wondering when it's going to happen to see the devil. He don't like you got it that time. So he wants to take that away from you. And trust me, he doesn't. That's why there's so many empty chairs. We've had chairs empty out. You get one disgruntled person and they start getting people in corners and talking to them. You know how that goes. That nonsense. Huh? Because the demons know each other. (laughs) They know the ones that's barely hanging on. You understand? Because they done had a little conversation with them a little bit somewhere. And they And then pretty soon the snowballs becomes a big thing. And then you got some people missing. Well, God told me I'm supposed to go and do this ministry. And they never, I've never seen none of them names in lights nowhere. Not like they said they was going to do. I mean, you, you think I was sitting on them 24 seven, keeping them from going out and, and blowing up. Oh, little Howard, ain't that what y'all, y'all, y'all don't say that no more. No, what do, what do they Oh, what do they call it now? People don't blow up no more. Someone's a blew up. 
Ooh, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm just, I just went there and blew up. Huh? Everybody waiting to blow up somewhere. I ain't seen no blow ups yet. Huh? I saw some, some chaff coming off some wheat and blown away by the wind. So I ain't, I ain't sitting on you keeping you from blowing up. Cause if you blow up, I want to be right there to see if I get some overflow of your blow up. You know what I'm saying? Whatever. So he says, if these people would straighten up and open their eyes and their ears, cause it's up to us to open them. You're not born with a shutdown on the word of God. You have a hunger and thirst in you. But he said, but blessed are your eyes, your insiders, cause you see. And your ears are blessed because you hear. Amen. Amen. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see the things that we see all the time. Prophets desire to see an atmosphere where everybody could go in boldly to the throne of God and worship him without being struck dead because, you know, they did something wrong and (laughs) didn't tell the priest. You understand what I'm saying? And so because God had to could seclude himself from the congregation. He spoke directly to the priest, but everybody else was on the outer courts. And he says, in, in, for the things that you see and have not seen them, and to hear the things which you hear and have not heard them. So he says, the prophets and righteous men and priests hung on for years wanting to have what you have, what the Pharisees are able to have now. So he says to them, at any time, your hearing can get loud enough and your seeing can get clear enough and sharp enough in the spirit so you can be converted and you receive your healing. Amen. So so he's saying, stay under the word. That's why Proverbs 4, 20 to 22 comes to us. My son, pay attention to my word. And you see this being healed at any time. It's not like a healing season. You ever hear people have season for this and season for that? No, Jesus said in Luke 4, he said, today is the acceptable year of the Lord. So you can be healed at any time, any time. Amen. Some people have figured out how to hasten the time of receiving their healing because they get more intense in the word. Now, this is true, period, with anything we need from God. You have to spend more time hearing, attending, and seeing and if you do that you'll have less opportunity to let thoughts contrary thoughts drown that out Amen. so you have to be careful as jesus said be careful how you hear because you can hear things that come from the world and just let them bounce right off of you let them get get there to, at the edge of your ear and make them keep going you got me we all know how to disconnect our attention from things and you stay attentive to the word of God that's building health in you, that's building strength in you, that's building desire for more of God on the inside of you. That's that's what we're to pay attention to. He said, attend, pay attention to my word. What happens many times is we'll get an errant thought in our heads and let it start working. We let ourselves meditate on that. But in the acceptable year of the Lord, that's what Jesus is talking about here. He says that you may see with your ins, you are insiders. You are inside of the kingdom. 
and you have ears to hear accurately what God is saying. So he says that any time you will hear with your eyes, I mean, hear with your ears and see with your heart, understanding with your heart means to get that's got to come from God. You see, the seeing and the hearing we can do by exposing ourselves and paying attention to the word of God. But the understanding has to come from the Holy Spirit. See, and see, there's a place where the Holy Spirit regulates what comes into our lives, what comes into our spiritual lives. He's in charge of allowing you to make sense of what it is that your eyes see and your ears hear. Because many times you don't know what to make of some of these things, spiritually speaking. You'll say, well, God, I've been speaking the word and I've been saying the word and I've been listening to the word. And then you get the impression, well, keep going, do a little bit more. Then you go back. I've been listening to the word. I've been speaking the word. I've been meditating. on, And you get the impression, oh, well, I'm not done yet. You got to go back. Well, uh, is, is, is somebody speaking to you, giving you a hint? Of what he wants. He wants you to stay in the word. Be working him for the treats. Huh? He knows better. He knows which ones of us are going to stay around till we get the treats. And then we run off and go do something else. So once he's, he's certain that you're established in it. Amen. He, he has, the Holy Spirit understands us better than we understand anything ourselves or anybody else understands us. He understands us. He knows exactly what to tell us to get us past our difficulties, past our, um, discouragement, lackadaisicalness, if there's such a word, uh, passivity, Wanting to quit, threatening to quit, you know, like we got somewhere to go, got nowhere to go. Then people in the world don't want you and you don't want them. In fact, you hope they don't find you. So, you know, you ain't going back there. Amen. So once you surrender and just say, oh, well, God, I'm just going to be here, I guess. Well, at least help me to get excited about the word again. Help me to get enthusiastic about the word again. Amen. Sometimes your difficulties come to draw you back to the word. Now, people don't like to believe this, but you've gone as far as you can go on the revelation and understanding you have. So you need more. So God will prove to you, okay, like for instance, if you keep, you know, playing with your gas tank and you keep wanting to drive a little bit farther before you go get a fill up, amen? And now you done got nervous and your palms are sweating and you stuck somewhere and you don't see a gas station for a long time, amen? So you're going to have to make a change in your attitude about your driving in order to make it through this thing. Or you better have that little red can in the back somewhere. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Gas stations barely sell them anymore. Remember they used to sell gas cans and gas? A lot of them don't even sell you a gas can. So you get up there, you done trekked all all down the street. Looking for some gasoline and it's no can for you. Amen. And so we have to understand that God knows exactly. He would rather you struggle 
and find him again than to have you be completely lost. Amen. So he's trying to hold on to you. That's why, you know, people say, uh, well, is it true once saved, always saved? I said, well, you know, you don't have to ask God that. I said, but you know what? I wouldn't want to get to the point where I had to depend on that. I'd rather go in, you know, pimping in my white dress and my new heels and all my jewels and all my, you know what I'm saying, go proper. You know, I didn't had a cheap wedding before because I didn't know no different. I ain't going there again. Huh? Not going. Huh? That's why you stay wedded to Jesus. Amen? Because you get the best of the best of the best. Huh? I, I'll share something with you. When speaking of that, I was praying about someone, a dear friend passed away not too long ago and and uh so uh when i heard the news um just was talking to god about it and i said well god do you have because oftentimes he will give me a a word of encouragement for the family and so he said you tell him she just said yes to the dress and it was her final fitting Amen. amen So she said yes to the dress and her final fitting. And he began to share with me how when you struggle through life, God takes you away and takes you shopping for the things you need to get through the struggle. And he says she'd been shopping with me many times before. Amen. Because he said we are adorned with different garments. We have righteousness. We have praise. Amen. These are garments. He said, and I just give her what she needed. We go on shopping trips. I give her what she needed, take care of what she needed to do. And he says, she came up and got prayer many times for many people. Amen. He said, but I decided it was time for her final fitting. And she said, yes, to the dress. He said, once you put it on, you don't take it off anymore. Amen. So, you know, God has so many things that he wants to reveal to us to help us to understand spiritual things. You got me? So I I thank him for those, you know, just little revelations and things that you can share with people in part. Some people don't receive it outside. But the insiders get blessed by it. Amen. If you're inside, you get blessed by these things. So it's just, just a good thing. You know, now Pharisees would be turned off by the fact that he gave it to me. That ain't God. That's a TV show. You understand what I'm saying? It's, well, it ain't for them. That's all I can tell you. It ain't for them. Amen. So praise God. So we are to the the Proverbs 20 verse 12 tells us, I'm going to go there, talks about the eye that sees and the ear that hears. Says the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made both of them. So God has made your eyes. If your eyes see his word and hear your word, his word, God has made both of them. Amen. He makes them with a purpose and he establishes the purpose for which he creates something in people. Amen. 
So when we start talking about being conversion, converted, it is a process. Conversion is a process. To convert someone means to transform them. To transform means to change into another form, substance, state, or product. It also means to persuade. When you transform something, you persuade or induce them to adopt a particular religion, faith, or belief. So when we have converts... That means that people have converted or changed from one belief to another. But within that belief, we have people who have different levels of conversion or different levels of transformation. According to Romans chapter 12, the Bible tells us that we either conform or we become transformed. So it, it, to conform means to stay the same way. So if you came from the world, if you are to be converted, you've got to change from the world's way of thinking, doing, believing, spending your time, things that you desire like meditate on. You have to change from that to something outside of that that's radical, different, and new to you. That's why many people don't uh, want to step out and start believing God, taking him at his word. You know, it still scares people when you tell them that they're healed and they're sitting there and they know they don't feel like it. They got a diagnosis that brought them here. They will actually get angry with you when you tell them that they are healed. Amen. Why? Because they've already conformed to the image of the world. And to for them to accept what you're saying, even though it's the word, they know they have to undo something on the inside of them in order to think like that. They've got to be undone. They've got to be uncomfortable. They've got to confront some things. They've got to, they've got to be wrong. Most people don't like that. Amen. They've got to repent. They've got to confess that you know, I've been believing this. You mean to tell me I've been believing this all the time? I said, well, what happened when you get saved? You wasn't born saved. You were believing. You don't know what you believe, but you know you found out the truth. Well, this is just more the same. Truth coming at you. Huh? Amen. Just brace yourself because truth is coming at you. Amen. And so we all have to go through that period of of discomfort. And I think many times that's why we don't pursue more than we pursue. Because we're scared what it's going to cost us. You know, if I was to really believe some of the things God has been speaking in my heart or some things I say I want from God, what's it going to, how am I going to, how do I fix that in my thinking? What's that going to look like in my life? What things are going to have to change in my life in order? Well, God doesn't want you to go through shock. That's why he gives you here a little bit, there a little bit, because he knows most of us can't take a whole boatload. Oh, God, you bless me. Throw it on me, God. I'm ready for the, I'm ready for, you ain't ready for nothing. You understand what I'm saying? That little bit he gave you the last time you sat under the word messed your head up for three days. Uh Huh? 
have a Holy Ghost hangover. <laughs> like people come up sometimes, you know, we have God pours out his glory. I love those times. But you, you, you have to make sure that it's the right time. You know, uh, it just it's not something we just do all the time so we can play around in the spirit of God. I mean, I'd like to. There'll probably come a day when we'll be able to do that. But you have to make sure that, you know, God is this, this what we need to do. Are we sober enough in our thinking to appreciate what you're doing when you do these things and, and all of that? And I want it to be a benefit to people. I want it to glorify you. But you can see some people on the edge of their chairs. They don't want to get involved with the, you know, Holy Ghost stuff. and they just hoping. And then if you do an altar call, ask everybody to come up, you can tell the, the real scared ones, you know. And God in his mercy sometimes will just overtake them anyway, you know. And before you know it, they lay it on the floor and swore they wasn't going down, go down there. Well, I didn't do nothing to you, you know. Did I touch anybody? <laughs> Hands behind. I should come in there like Houdini. Have my have my trusty assistant, little Howard Dillard, cuff me in front of the audience. I never touched a soul. Amen. You know, because people accuse you of pushing them, and then they want to say they hurt and all this. You know, so you know you have to make sure the timing's right with God, with the crowd, and He's got the right people. That's why many times revivals start breaking out among small groups of praying people. Amen. And then the, the praying ones will carry that spirit with them and then they can impart it to others and it grows that way. Sometimes it's just big wave and move of the spirit and God can, can bless people that way. But, but converts are ready to be changed. There's a readiness in us to want to be changed so that we can see with our eyes, hear with our ears, understand with our hearts, be converted. Then the healing takes place. So sometimes when you're questioning, why is it taking so long? God has got you in the process of being converted and being transformed. So healing, you could say, really is a process. Now, I love it when the gifts of the Holy Ghost operate and people get instantly healed. Like there are some things I think people shouldn't have to wait for. Pain is one of them. I think they should be able to get rid of their pain right away. But for sometimes for believers, God has a higher standard for us to stay pain free. So I always encourage people, you know, especially if they're a believer and, and I said, well, you know what? Go get in your word, stay in your word. You know, now I believe this pain has left you and it, and I ask God to leave it, let it go forever. But sometimes people have been chronically uncomfortable and their minds are already soaked in the expectation of pain because you'll see them like sometimes you know i'll tell people to do something you couldn't do at the altar to allow that healing to be complete you know every time you move in faith more of the anointing goes in and it'll destroy that total yoke and, and get you pain free forever and and so if i can get them to work the anointing in long enough and enough of it it will go 
But sometimes God will tell me, now just stay in your word and keep that away. Because the word is really what will heal you and keep you healed. Now, that's not a statement of doubt. You got me? There's some people that really need to do that. And and I've been one of them. I've had pain for was kind of chronic for a while, and and uh, I had uh, I remember uh, I went to we went to Rejoice Detroit and it was bad. I had Pastor Shirley pray for me there. It stayed gone until I left the meeting. And if I think about it and am honest about it, that's exactly what I expected. Because you know what I said in my head? I said within myself, if I can just get through the meeting. You got me? So I really should have asked for more. But child, the sister went home, shut everything off, and got Lomo in my word. You understand? In about a week's time, it was totally gone. And I knew it was gone. Why? I'd been converted. So I wasn't expecting to feel it again. You know how sometimes you can get prayer and then you go back and try to feel and see where it is? You shouldn't be doing that. You stay rejoicing until the anointing drives everything out of that and your soul is at peace about it. Huh? Let your head get converted to the fact. Because see, your your mind is converted to the fact that you're not in comfort. Because you'll get up and if you do something that you did before that caused pain, you'll expect it. You'll be looking for it. So when your soul is converted, God knocks out that anticipation of finding it again. Amen. Because people will know when when they're at that point. They say, you know what? That thing has not come back and I knew it was going to leave when I got prayer. You got me? I knew it was going to. That knowing comes from God. That means your soul has been converted not to expect pain when you get up and do that same thing over again. You expect to feel well. And so this conversion business is something people overlook when they talk about receiving anything from God. We have to be converted to the fact that God, number one, that you want it. People are funny about they want sometimes. Uh-huh. Well, God, I want a job, but I don't want this, I don't want that, I don't. Well, he said give you desires of your heart. So your desires reflect more what you do want and not what you don't want. Huh? Or I want to get married, but don't give me no man like this and don't give me no. Well, you got to learn how to hang around with the right ones. Isn't that right? If you don't want it, don't hang around it. Huh? And that goes for you women too. If you don't want it, don't hang around it. Because you might wind up with it. Perish the thought. Huh? No, God gives you the right desires. You pay more attention to him than you do, you know, checking your traps. Am I right, Poppy? (laughs) 
See, in order to set a trap, one is, I'm going to tell you brothers something. That this is strictly for the men. You can write this down. Take it to the bank, cash, check, spend the money. If you don't have no bait in the trap, it ain't going to be nothing in there. <laughs> the men holding their breath. This, is that all? Yeah, that's it. See, the reason your traps don't have nothing in them, you don't have no bait in them. So you might as well give up the trap idea. Because, see, they really confused now. They said, bait? What bait? I didn't know you had. What trap? What bait? What bait? Huh? Yeah, you don't, y'all don't know. Once you get saved, you don't know nothing about no trapping. So let's go to something you know something about. Amen. But that's prayer. <laughs> Put in time on your knees. Put in time worshiping God. Huh? And then pretty soon, whoever she is or he is will be revealed to you. Husbands and wives are reveal things. They ain't stuff you shop with with your naked eyeballs. Amen. You get them eyeballs slapped in the back of your head. Huh? You'd be thinking you got, you got a date lined up and then your mama call you. What you doing? It's all out of nothing, nothing, mom. I, I promise you, I wasn't doing nothing. God will find a way to slap you back into the kingdom, huh? <laughs> he will find a way to slap you back into the kingdom. Just will. He says, "Stay in here, cause I got something real for you. I got something you don't know how to. Cause see, once you start baiting them traps." If you don't have the right bait for this one, she ain't gonna, she ain't gonna buy on that anyway. Amen? So you're always getting different kinds of bait. Switching stuff up. Trying to see if this worked, that worked, all that. You know, it's too much trouble. Of course, you Christian men ain't that slick no way. Huh? Y'all don't have no game. Not nothing is gonna work in the world. You hear the reason my latest friend Hammond? That ain't how you pick nobody up. Even I know better than that. Huh? <laughs> Whee! <laughs> how much time I got, little Howard? Don't don't short me on my time. You cut it out. What? Twenty? Ooh, I can rule like this all day. Now we're gonna read some more healing scriptures, amen. We gonna get off we gonna get off the conversion and the bait and all that kind of stuff. But but God ain't gonna let you bait nobody if you belong to him. He'll make all your stuff so weak it don't work. You got me? Get your feelings hurt. If it you know, if that don't work, you get your feelings hurt and then something else happens, so you just learn how to, you God, you must be, your word must be true. You have somebody selected for me. And in due season, amen, I keep obeying you and doing what you tell me to do. I will reap if I don't faint. Amen. So sometimes you have to go a little further with God to prove to him your devotion to him. You know, you don't hop from one 
relationship to the next and one this to that. You know, God has to take you aside and get you to, to get devoted to him, get some understanding. Amen. Just get you sober because you've been doped up by your own deception there. So we, it was true. And so we have to really get into that sober place in God and say, okay, God, I'm sober and I'm serious now. So let's get to working on this because I am sincere about wanting a wife, husband, marriage, life, children, whatever it is that is on your, your schedule with God. He wants you to have those things and he'll bless you with them. Amen. You just have to believe that. You won't believe it looking for somebody. You'll believe it if you get in that word. Huh? You get, when them Hebrew women start looking enticing to you, about on the right page. Huh? Seriously. You know, you read about a, a, a woman that prophesies or a woman who's married to a king or a woman who's, you know, struggling or, or a servant or something like that. Let those things be appealing to you. Find some inner qualities in some of these characters and what we call characters. They're really people. They're people in the Bible and they represent people that we may see in our own lives. When they start getting attractive to you, then you, he's got your attention then. Amen. So God, ask God to put that in your heart. Change my likes. Change my don't likes. Change my wants. Change my don't wants. Amen. And he'll do it because we all need to have changing in us and the things that God wants for us. So, but your, your best, your best relationship will be with God. You'll find that out. And once he's, you're glued to him, the rest of it is uh, just a matter of, of conversion. Just a matter of him pointing you in the, the right direction and getting you there. So, amen. Thank you, Lord. All right, so in, oh, let me see. We'll turn to Matthew chapter 8 because I did have different ways of releasing your faith to God. Amen. In Matthew chapter 8. Listen, got quiet in here. Of course, there's nothing in here but us mice. (laughs) Matthew chapter 8 and verse, I'm learning myself. Amen. Amen. Preachers learn by preaching many times. Uh, verse 8, verse 1, it says, When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, or if you will, you can make me clean. Now, the if thou wilt, that 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 will means are you willing, if it's your will. You can means he knew he was able. So there are many people who know God's able, but don't know if he's willing or not. Based on something that they believe about themselves that they feel might be a hindrance to God approving of them and giving them something. Now this can sneak up on you. You can be cool with God for a long season and then all of a sudden get to this point where you feel a lack of confidence in God and a lack of, uh, you know, just a lack of feeling good about whether or not you may think it's not time for it or, you know, some other religious excuse can come up. 
And so he said, if you, if, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And really what this, this means here is that Jesus heard his words and assessed within himself that this man qualified to be healed. So how you present your confession to God, how you speak to him, what you say to him, makes all the difference in the world as to whether you he's willing to release what you need. But you need to say something to him. So to me, the first first way you express your faith to God is just ask him for what you want. Lawyer up. Go talk to Jesus about it. Say, God, you see that, you know, now God, I know I'm, I'm, I'm messed up here. I done a lot of little stuff here and I ain't, you know, I ain't perfect. You know how we go. We go all start confessing to everything first. Like God don't know what you've been doing. But it's all got to mean nothing as far as standing between you and what you need from him. You understand me? It's got to add up to zero if you're going to be healed. And so when we start talking to God about, oh, you know, you know, I'm not sure. Am I doing something wrong? Or I've been doing this for such a long time and it seems like nothing's happening and in all of this. This is what this man was going through in his mind. This is what made him doubtful that Jesus would be willing. But you got to understand that for everybody, He's both able and willing. There's nobody that he is unwilling or to save or to bless. Nobody. How do we say that? Because of Calvary. See, the cross is what makes him willing. Amen. All he has to do is look at you and see your faith. You can't have faith for the supernatural without going to the cross, going by way of the cross first. Hmm? This man sized Jesus up as somebody who could do it. And not only do he, he has seen him heal enough people, he felt like he had a shot at it. Now, if he didn't have a shot at it, he never would have asked him. If he didn't think he had a shot at it, he never would have gone up to that man and asked him for nothing. So whenever we pray and ask God for something, we must consider ourselves worthy in some way. You're at least worthy to ask. Amen? So when you ask, this man asked because he was willing to face the music. He was willing to say, if it's something that disqualifies me, I want to know about it. If it's something that qualifies me, I want my stuff. And so he was able to seek Jesus in, in, in other words, be ready to hear bad news. And that's why many times, many of us get our backs against the wall before we'll really just believe God for something. Amen. And so when your back is against the wall, 
that means you have nowhere else to go you got to face the music you either got to get it or go do without it you understand what i'm saying or get a rain check and let me fix that and come back later you understand what i'm saying but you you're ready to face whatever it is you need to face so that you can know what to do what to change what to ask god for do i forget about it is it too is it over is it too late what is it And so he was ready to, to face the music. He says, I know you can do this. I don't have any doubt about your ability. He said, but in my case, are you willing? Are you willing to let me have what I want? Are you willing to give me the desires of my heart? Are you ready to find me a perfect person? that I can marry, that I can love, that I can settle down with. Are you ready? Are you willing to do that for me? Amen. The fact that you ask gets you in the door. You got me? Because the Bible says, do what? Ask anything and I'll do it for you. If you don't doubt in your heart. Sometimes confronting whether or not he's willing to do it for you is your first step in removing doubt from your heart. You know there are many people that doubt God and never confess it never because they're ashamed of it. They're ashamed to think that they don't, they're ashamed to think, they, they think it anyway, but they're ashamed of what they think. So you're ashamed to think that God blesses some people and don't bless you, but that's really what's working underneath everything. So you're ashamed to think that maybe you've squandered too much of your time doing frivolous things and God won't forgive you, done too much, and you can't come back to him. Huh? But we don't want to admit it. This man got to a point, he said, why sit we here until we die? Ain't we heard this attitude before? It's, I got to ask something, I got to do something, I got to bust out of this. I can't stay like this anymore. It's too much good going on around me. It's too many people getting blessed. It's too many people getting all these wonderful things. I got to find out if I qualify. If I don't, all he can do is tell me no. You got me? But he never says no. That's the biggest trick of the devil to disqualify people based on their own doubt. Is to make them think we don't qualify and we never will. When you're qualified all along by virtue, not of who you are, what you did, what you did wrong, what you didn't do, how long you've been acting like this, how long you cut up, how long, who you backstabbed, who you backbit, who you messed around with, who you didn't, it, none of that ever disqualifies you. Because you're not qualified based on your behavior. Because your behavior changes. If it's just about behaving, hey, we can all sit in Miss Miss Fenton's class with our hands folded on top of our desk for five minutes till the bell rings. You got me? Then after the bell rings, it's all no holes barred. Amen? Go out and that, put your do-rag in, on in the hallway and find that girl that you don't like in his own. Huh? So behavior changes. The condition of your heart changes. And so, but God knows how to erase all of that and give you a brand new start. 
So the fact that Jesus is willing and heals him immediately means that whatever this man thought about himself that disqualified him was a lie all along. You find that with many people that Jesus healed. The fact that they ask is enough faith to get them what they're asking for. But if it's delayed, the devil chooses to play with our minds and tell us we've done the unpardonable. You know, oh Lord, look at what you did. You remember when you did that? You remember that? No, devil, because you the one. I don't need to remember it because you around here telling me all the time. You don't need to remember nothing. So God wants us to be able to ask and believe when we ask and not keep coming back over and over and over again asking. Amen. In Matthew 8 chapter 5. And when Jesus entered to Capernaum, they came to him a centurion beseeching him. So this is a higher level of asking. Amen. And he said, Lord, my servant is at home sick of the palsy grievously tormented and Jesus said I will come and heal him so this man's already got the assurance from Jesus he he wasn't even doubting that he was willing or he was able he just asked him and Jesus was willing to go with him but the man told him hmm I'm not worthy huh Now, he really didn't have to say that because Jesus counted him worthy already just by asking. You ask in faith, you have it already. The fact that he was going home with this man meant that there was enough faith on his asking when he asked him that time for him to go do it for him. You got me? In other words, we don't have to continue to just ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and ask. I know we do sometimes because many times we go away in unbelief. We go away in in anger or upset or we faint and give up and all that kind of stuff. And you feel that you have to ask again because, but all you have to do really is repent and renew your covenant. And that request is still there. That request is still on the altar. He's still working on it from where you, you know, we think when we go and mess up or we go and do something, we go and sin or we go and, you know, whatever, distance ourselves from God, that we have to come back and overdo, overdo, overdo everything, you know. But that request, he heard it the first time. You get back in in the right position with God. You start worshiping him. You start thanking him for what he's already granted to you. Amen. So everybody who asks receives, just like he said, everybody who asks receives. Now this centurion felt that when Jesus got to his house, he would either be an embarrassment to the Lord, would be, you know, this man's a Roman, he's not a Hebrew, he he knows, you know, he doesn't have, really have a covenant with God, but he's got faith in God. That puts you into the covenant. You got me? At least for the thing that you're asking for. So faith really is the most important thing. And faith is on every request, every covenant request. I'll put it that way. There's got to be some faith 
Now you may go away and doubt your mind will doubt later, but at, at the asking point, because you, you have the righteousness of Christ available to you. At the asking point, you are heard. Amen. And so God really, like Zechariah and, and, uh, Elizabeth had John the Baptist when they were elderly people. Well, they had asked in faith many, many years earlier. And that request was still on the altar. It didn't matter to God how old they got. It was like it don't matter to God how old we get. Or how old we don't get. Or whatever it is that we think is a, an issue. And we all have issues. And so God wants to deal with the issues that hinder our receiving what we need from him. Not whether or not he's going to give it. But hinder our receiving of what he has. Uh, Matthew chapter 9. We'll go there. That'll be our last one. Matthew chapter 9. I think in verse 18. It says, While he spoke these things unto him, behold, a certain ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay hands upon her, and she shall live. Jesus arose. Now, there's another account of this story. You all know the one. When he first asked, his daughter was sick, near death. Amen. Somehow religious people make it even harder for themselves to receive from God. Wait until the last minute. You know. (laughs) It's like, God, if you're going to do something, you really go. I don't know what goes through people's minds, but... You know, here the daughter was near death and he says, you know, come and and lay hands on her. She'll be made whole. Too bad he couldn't have told him to speak the word only and she'd be healed. But see, we have different faith for different things. Faith can accommodate you no matter what place you're in. Amen? Or no matter what stage you are, understanding, believing, whatever you want to whatever you want to call it, your faith knows how to accommodate. Faith is very forgiving. Faith is very accepting. Faith is easy to get along with. It's not the project that people, you know, you got to make, you got to be careful listening to people make their living off of teaching certain things. You know what I'm saying? Because you listen to enough of them, you get to the place where you think, well, man, am I ever doing anything right here? You know what I'm saying? Now, I don't fault the teachers, don't get me wrong. But but sometimes it's good to just grab, ask God for what you need, grab it and run, you know, and don't don't make a steady diet of the same thing over and over again because we need different things. And so, uh, you know, you, you have to understand that it is the word that heals. And it is the word that opens your eyes, open your ears. God gives you understanding in your heart. You get converted to where you believe you're healed and that's all you believe. You don't get up some days thinking, Gee, it's taking too long. And Gee, is it? No, you don't. Your mind doesn't even go there anymore. You believe that you're healed, and that's all you believe. And so, doubt can creep in, but doubt will move out. God has a remedy for everything. If there's something hindering uh, of the manifestation or us receiving, I'll say receiving, because manifestation, there's a spiritual and there's a natural. Amen. Once you've received the spiritual manifestation of your health, the rest is just a matter of it getting there. You understand what I'm saying? So once you've received in your heart, you believe you receive. When you pray, you've got it. 
And let that faith grow. Feed that faith. Feed your body with the word of God. And it will happen. Amen? It will definitely happen. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us to know your holy word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is forever settled in heaven. We bless you, Lord, and we thank you. We honor you, and we love you. Thank you, Jesus, for your servants who are here, who always show up. We just ask you for a a special blessing for little Howard and uh, and his life and all of the things in his endeavors. And Father, we thank you that you have his wife uh, somewhere and he you will reveal that person to her, uh, him and, and him to her. And I thank you, Lord, that it's on schedule. And it's on time. And we thank you, Lord, for blessing him with that faith and confidence in you to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. And praise God. Amen. Amen.